Hey, Mike, I'm so proud to have been there to see you grab your crowbar and kill your first headcrab, ushering you into a game you should have played many, many years ago. A game that spawned a renaissance? It's Half-Life, the original. Why did we play the original? Because this is it. When we said that we were doing this, uh, we were getting a lot of people asking why we didn't play Half-Life 2. So why did we play Half-Life? You have to play Half-Life before you play Half-Life 2. It's like you have to learn how to crawl before you can walk. So this is it's the introduction of everything. Jumping in to Half-Life 2, you wouldn't have the same connection with some of the characters that they end up fleshing out later on which you will see because i'm going to make you play that Mm -hmm. game as well but it's just like the idea of introducing you to these aliens and the world and the crowbar and the mechanics and what you're actually doing here you kind of had to start with one and also i wanted you to kind of have the same feeling that i had when i played two for the first time after playing one and how expanded and amazing it felt. And I really think that at first I thought you weren't going to feel that. And I was nervous. I was like bringing you down a path for no reason, you know, just kind of torturing you a little bit with this old game. (laughs) And then you wouldn't really feel the same thing. But now seeing you play through this one, I know you're going to have that feeling when you start up two for the first time. And you're going to be like, whoa, it's it's, it's just, I, I can understand why people waited and so long and salivated for this game to come out Mm -hmm. because it felt so worth it. And I think you're going to get that same feeling. You're going to feel like this is so worth it. The second game. So that's why we played one to get hold of that feeling to hold on to your youth. (laughs) Cause we weren't necessarily going to talk about half-life, right? Like it may have, we may have just actually ended up playing half-life so we could talk about half-life Two, right? Cause you wanted me to have that experience because Mm -hmm. we were not sure if I was going to like it because the game is like 20 years old right it was a risk it was a was a risk and we'll get into uh, a little bit later the actual version we played because there's a bunch of different versions but it was real touch and go when we immediately ran into a game-breaking bug within like the first 10 minutes <laughs> i would have loved for you to play the you know the way i played for the first time but we just you can't get a hold of that so we had to make some concessions but that's okay is it can you put into words why you love half-life <laughs> I don't really know if I can. Maybe it's just it was the first time I played a game where I felt like there was enough of a story Mm -hmm. or I should say the first time I played a first person shooter that I felt like there was enough of a story uh, to interest me because before that there's Doom and there's Quake. And yeah, I played those, but it was just mainly walking around mazes and shooting things, right? Like that's all it was and just trying to stay alive and which is fine but there's only so far you can go with that and then I got into Starcraft and I started doing all of those games and then coming across a game like Half-Life where you have this really rich world that it throws you into and these iconic elements that just it draws you into a story and it's very much like watching a cult film that you fall in love with that you just you attach yourself and you're like this is funny this is an inside joke this is a this is a little quirky thing and and going through that world for the first time and subsequent times it's just it's just so it was so different at the time playing this game compared to other games and then in addition to that playing the deathmatch brought it a whole new level of friends hanging out and playing this game together and making jokes and it just I don't know it just it was a community of gamers that I fell into and it was like our first fledgling gaming together with the first person shooter you see we haven't played any deathmatch yet which is the co-op um Mm -hmm. and I think it's because all of the stuff surrounding the original doesn't work anymore but Half-Life 2's Deathmatch apparently does. I think you still can do some of the original on Steam. Okay, okay. I think we can find some stuff. But, I mean, Deathmatch is Deathmatch. Like, it's it's the same depending on whatever game you play. If you've played that before, even if you've played, like, um, GoldenEye or, or mm-hmm. um, some of the 007 games, it's it's that. But this was there 
before I've played some of the 007 games. So that's why I'm kind of attached to it. And then it it's just expanded, right? It is, it's a game that has a lore and a character base and um, just a whole universe about it that translated through multiple games and it becomes a, a, a fan favorite and it's you just get ingrained and it, yeah it's, it's it's a friend <laughs> so i think i was just slightly too young you know i was 10 when the game came out um, yeah it's a bit of a, an aggressive game to play if you're 10 yeah and you know i just at that time in my life i don't think i would have had a pc that could have played it um so it missed me and i just never went back to it i have played a very small amount of half-life 2 uh i because it came in the orange box so i bought mm-hmm. the orange box for portal half-life 2 was on the disc so i tried it and i remember all i remember is trying it and not being good enough so i quit it so i remember trying it but i don't really remember anything about the game so i have no frame of reference for it i don't have a memory of it other than the fact that i know i booted it up um so it half-life is just like yeah i know of it like yeah i know the jokes right i know the half-life 3 meme um mm-hmm. i know how important it is i know gordon freeman i know the headcrafts like i know all the stuff mm-hmm. i just never played the game and i think you kind of have to have a friend force you to play a game that's 20 years old and if you've never <laughs> played do. it before i don't really think <laughs> that that is a uh, a thing that you would do on your own all right do you want some history obviously you yeah. probably know all of this but did, did a little bit of research as i as i do as did the, his, the playing for fun historian yeah i like this role that you have it's nice i get to sit back at story time tell us mike <laughs> it, the game was released in 1998 on pc of course and it was valve's first game so we all know valve valve now who make a ton of important games as well as Steam, but it was Valve's first game. Um, it was uh, The original Half-Life was built on a heavily modified version of the Quake engine, um, and it was a monumental game at the time, applauded for its graphics, its realism, and the seamless narrative. And one of the... What this means and why it was appreciated so much is Half-Life never breaks for cutscenes. Like, the action is all happening in the game. Like, mm-hmm you can see it all happening and you never leave. I think pretty much entirely never leave the eyes of Gordon Freeman, the character you are embodying. And apparently this had just never been done before. Um, and to be honest, it's still not done very much today. Uh, there, you know, you will get a lot of games that have some like narrative elements that are occurring when you can see them, but also a lot of games move in and out of cutscenes as well. Uh, and that's just because you know, they want to show something that the game engine can't do. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you get cutscenes. Is like they have a story moment they want to tell in a game, but the engine is not sophisticated enough. So they have to go to like an animation, like a 3D animation to show it instead. Um, Half-Life was awarded 50 Game of the Year awards, which is a lot. That feels like a lot. Like <laughs> it's a lot. Where are there 50 game? Like it just seems like a lot of Game of the Year awards, especially in like 1998. You know, like now, just like every like every website, every show could have a game of the year. Um, we should probably think about that at some point. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. Put that in the good ideas folder. I know what mine is, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you know what yours is, but I know what my game of the year is. But maybe we can get to that at some point in the future. Wait, are we doing it a playing for fun game of the year? Or would it be a game that actually came out in the year? I think a game that we played this year. And we should do it on February for our birthday. Okay, we can do that. For the sh- All right, the show I like birthday. that. We'll do that. So that will be a part of our February episode. Yeah, I like that. that. kind of game of the year in February. Oh, we could have Jelly draw some great art for awarding the game of the year. I like it. It's very mm-hmm. good. We have to have categories. We got to make this official. All right. We'll talk it out. Okay, we'll, we'll work it out. out. <laughs> we'll work it out later rather than yeah, just in yeah. the show. We'll have a company meeting. <laughs> Half-Life is still considered to be one of the best games ever made. Um, and of course was a huge influence on the first person shooter genre and it led the way for not only half-life 2 but also counter-strike there's there were a lot of uh modifications and games built on top of the engine that half-life ended up using 
Um, and then that spawned many, many, many more games. And there is actually... Uh, this was completely by accident that we started playing this game around the exact time that Half-Life was celebrating its 20th anniversary. It's just a complete coincidence. <laughs> We're really good at our jobs. Very good. <laughs> uh, so there's a great documentary on YouTube um, by Noclip, who do incredible game documentaries. Um, I've only watched the first hour of it before they get to Half-Life 2 because hashtag no spoilers. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is it is an absolutely wonderful and brilliantly made documentary that focuses on pretty much the community around Half-Life and how it affected so many people's lives. It, it's wild. I watched the second half and I got to say it's really good too. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, very good. good it got me very pumped for wanting to play Half-Life 2 again. The thing that was most astounding to me is how many people spoke about getting the original demo and how that demo changed their lives. Like, just one demo disc. I mean, there were games Mm -hmm. that were literally cancelled because the demo was so good of Half-Life. So other studios (laughs) were cancelling their games because they knew they could not compete with what is essentially a groundbreaking game. And it's kind of fun to me to think about that, like... What else could be given that kind of accolade? I don't know. This this game was just, it happened all at the right time. Yep. It was such a big deal. What version did we play? Because, you know, you can't play the original anymore, really. So there are, and also the, the original was ported into different engines, like the Source engine, which was what was created for later games and what Counter-Strike was all built on and stuff. So... What did we play? Because there are also fan modifications. Uh, we played the Source Engine. This is what comes from Valve, right? Today. Yeah, we we didn't want to get too far from the original. We wanted to be as close to the original as possible. If we were able to get a hold of the original, we would have played that. But it just wasn't possible. So we um, we had to settle for Source. And it, it certainly came with some, some bugs mm-hmm. <laughs> here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish you had seen if it was a little bit not the game was a little bit rougher, uh, but this put in so many bugs, it made it worse than the original. So the the gameplay of the original was was much smoother than what ended up happening with the source. Yeah, so source, the benefit of source is it features some graphical enhancements and uh, physics enhancements that Mm -hmm. they brought from the source engine back to the original game. But it brings with it some control issues and some weird bugs in certain areas. And some of the issues in controlling are jumping and dealing with ladders, which were already almost impossible in this game. So it introduced yeah. some weird stuff, um, but it wasn't too bad. It was still playable. Well, one of the good things about playing it on the stream was if we were dealing with something particularly like, what is going on here? People say, oh, that's a source bug. So, like, we could find out the source issues because people on the stream knew that. So that was very useful to us. And then we could just write it off or restart something. And yeah, There is also a fan modification called Black Mesa, which is a Valve-approved third-party modded version of the game which features modern graphics and performance. That looks so good. It's been in development since 2004. And then in 2016, they released everything except the final levels, the Zen levels. The Zen levels are actually expected to be completed in 2019. So I want to play this one too. Yeah, I totally, I would love to go back and see how it, how it's done. Like, how would you do it? Yeah, I would totally do that. That would be great. But it has to be after we play. Well, I think it should really be, we just, we wait until they finish it because it's not done. Oh yeah. It's still in early access. Apparently they're saying sometime in in 2019, they're going to have the final levels uh so you know i well by the time we've gotten through half-life 2 as well and then taking a break from that we'll probably be ready to play black mesa Uh, because like looking at the uh screenshots and the images and stuff i mean it looks like a pretty modern game um it's been Mm -hmm. rebuilt on multiple engines over the years because it's taken so long to 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 be completed uh but it looks it looks really cool i would like to the side by side comparisons of the original with this mod it's so it's very good it, yeah. it's very they they were very um considerate to the game they weren't trying to overlay it with something that it wouldn't have been they are just trying to make it what it could have been mm-hmm. and i think that that's uh it's like remodeling a house you know <laughs> like you still follow the same lines but it it just looks really really great 
yeah. So I'm excited for that when when for when it is done. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's fun. It's again, it's like a fun thing where it's like, oh, as we're playing this game, there's still stuff going on with it. Yeah, and people still care about this game. You know, there are people investing their time in recreating these levels, and it's it's just amazing how connected people have felt with this game over the years. And I'm just kind of really excited that you played it. And now you can kind of, even if you don't feel that really deep uh, personal connection with it, at least you can have experienced this game and know kind of where it's all coming from. I think one of the things I found the most interesting about going through this whole experience is that I was getting that feeling of wanting to play it. You know, like when I wasn't playing it, I wanted to play Yes, that's and it. And that was so surprising to me considering how old the game is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like there is there is clearly the the nugget of what made this game appealing and and good still exists, right? Like it wasn't just because it was so groundbreaking. There's also an intangible quality to it because there is absolutely no reason that I should be blown away by this game in any way. And I wasn't, right? Like, there wasn't a thing where I was like, whoa, right? Like, it's, that's, it's <laughs> not 2000, it's not 1998 anymore, right? Yeah. So, but there is, there is still, it still has a quality to it, which I, I honestly find hard to pin down what exactly it is. But I, I know I enjoyed it a lot and I wanted to keep playing it. And I want to play Half-Life 2 because I enjoyed Half-Life so much. That's so good. That's so good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. You've made all my dreams come true. We haven't even spoke about kind of our details and experiences of playing the game, so we should. But before we do, why don't we open the loot box? So as is tradition, we have a new commissioned piece of artwork uh, from Jelly. It's so good. Uh, (laughs) Jelly has the ability of giving us exactly what we want without asking for it. Um, he does. So that is the episode artwork, which you should see in your podcast player if you use a good podcast player, or it will be on our Instagram as well. We post them all there. That's at instagram.com slash playingforfunfm. Um, and we have some other cool stuff that we're going to be posting over the next couple of weeks there, not just the uh, commission artwork. I do like seeing it all there, though. It's so nice to see on our Instagram feed to see these these wonderful pieces that, that are created for us. So, you know, they're always amazing to see. So you can go and take a look at them. Uh, we, you know, as we've mentioned before, we're, we're trying to be more frequent with our streams now. And, and by and large, we are streaming every Friday um, at 10 a.m. Eastern. But that isn't the only time that we stream. Sometimes we move things around. Sometimes we do mm-hmm. extra days. And the best way to know when we're going to be streaming is to follow uh, the Playing for Fun account on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash playingforfunfm. Um, we don't tweet useless things. We tweet when we're streaming and we tweet mm-hmm. when new episodes go up. So if you want to get that, you can you can check that out. And if you use the official Twitter application, you know you can set us up to get notifications when we tweet and you'll know exactly when it's happening um, so you can do that. So that's playing for fun FM on Twitter, and you can watch uh, Mike's amazing emojis that he uses. Every tweet is crafted; so it's they're good. handcrafted. I pick specific emoji. I try and make them interesting. We use different imagery. You know, we, it, this is artisanal is. tweeting for playing for mm-hmm. fun. Um, and this episode does have a sponsor, and it is, that is the wonderful Care of. Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service or vitamin service that delivers completely personalized. I have to say vitamins. I, I can't. Say, you you can say vitamins, but I I can't. I have to say vitamins. I could say vitamins. Okay, we can, all right, let's go with vitamins then. It delivers completely personalized vitamins and supplement packs right to your door. Um, you may have wondered at some point whether you're getting all the vitamins that you need, and you would be right to wonder because it turns out 90% of people are lacking in at least one vitamin or nutrient that they should be having. Care-of can help you figure out exactly what you need with a fun and awesome online quiz that will ask you about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices. It takes just five minutes to complete and they will work out exactly what you need. And because you are clearly a very busy person, Care-of will send your vitamins right to your door in personalized, easy-to-remember daily 
packs, which is super handy for traveling. You just grab what you need, you throw them in your bag, and you're good to go. And if you have dietary requirements, if you're vegan or vegetarian, they can cater to that as well. Now, Tiff, I believe that you have gone through the uh, quiz we've care of. I did. I ordered them. It was fun filling out the quiz. It's actually really friendly. Their graphics and the interface are actually really cute. Yeah, I know. It kind of makes it feel like it's a little game and you're like, oh, it's a health game for my health. And I filled it out and they delivered it in a box and you kind of like pull them out of this little door. And then on the packs, it has your name. It's like, hi, Tiff. It says oh, it every that's morning. awesome. And then there's little facts or quotes and stuff on the pack. Also, totally unrelated to vitamins, which is really fun. So in my in the morning, I, I really have gotten into it, like the ritual of pull out my little vitamin pack. Hi, Tiff. Good morning. Right. And it says, the good morning, fact. vitamins. That's how I'm like, hi, vitamins. <laughs> good morning, Tiff. <laughs> if you want to have some uh, vitamins to say good morning to every morning, you can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins by going to takecareof.com. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E. OF.com, takecareof.com, and use the code PLAYINGFORFUN at checkout. That is takecareof.com and promo code PLAYINGFORFUN for 25% of your first month of vitamins with Careof. So thank you so much to Careof for their support of this show and Relay FM. So this time, uh, starting with our Half-Life streams, and well, actually starting with our little bonus uh, Pusheen box opening, <laughs> we are <laughs> we are now including a video of ourselves in our streams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's really exciting and new this time. I thought that that was really fun because you're playing and I'm essentially watching. So it's kind of like... Tiff reacts video. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is this is a newer thing for us. Um, I think that mm-hmm. it is a great addition, and I know it's something we want to make technically better as well, which yes. we will. Um, but I think that we've got it's going pretty well so far. I I I I was the most hesitant out of the two of us to do this. This is something you'd wanted to do for a while, but I wasn't sure about it. Um, well, but, it's what all the lit tw- the the lit. It is. It's what all the kids <laughs> the, the, the do. The lit twitchers do. Yeah. The, and the lit then the lit ones as well. The lit and the lit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really made yourself sound super cool then. So good <laughs> the work leads. on that one. No, it's it's all the lit leads out there. Ah, there yeah, yes, silly me. Um, but yes, yeah, so I now uh, I agree that it is a it's it's a nice addition to the stream. I know that it's something that a lot of the players were asking for. And uh, so now, now you can do that. So you can you can see our lovely, sometimes tired faces, depending on <laughs> when we're playing. Um, we went very late with some of these uh, Half Life streams, but we had to get it done. We had to get the the game done, so we threw some extras in there. But but yeah, you totally can go you can go now and you can watch uh, some of our videos there, and you'll see our lovely faces as well. And if you don't catch any of the videos. Uh, live on Twitch, they are they stick around for a little while, but we also put everything up on YouTube archived, and that's mm-hmm. at um, youtube.com slash playingforfunfm if you want to go check out those and you want to watch our entire playthrough of Half-Life kind of all in a big go, that's it's pretty good to do there. Um, we are still going to be working on Play a Farm yes. in, <laughs> in our Stardew. I've really missed I know. it. So we haven't abandoned that just because we end up twitching a few other games in between for the show. We are still going to go back to our farm. So if you are a big Stardew fan, that's still out there for you. And we want to make sure that you um, go on over and subscribe to us on Twitch. And you can be cool like some of our awesome subscribers like Ferret Ferret, Twitchelodeon, and Decathorpe. Yeah, and if you are somebody who has a cool uh, Twitch username, you can rest assured that we will specifically spend about a minute talking about how cool it is uh, because that's <laughs> yeah, the thing do. that we do. <laughs> I do. I love seeing all the cool usernames come in. It's yep. pretty great. So if you enjoy the show, please make sure that you tell Tell a friend or if and you know someone that enjoys watching Twitch streams, tell a friend. By lit streamers like us. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The, 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 lit the lit leets. leets. Yeah, if you know any lit leets out there and you need to, you know, usher them over to, to the to the players club, tell the tell the lit leets to join the players <laughs> club. How far are we going with this? We're going. Shh, just follow me down this <laughs> hole. Okay, We're okay. going there. This is happening to us. Anyway, so tell all your friends. We listen to the show. We love having everyone involved. It's really becoming quite a, a great little community that we have. Yep. And um, I'm, I just, I look forward to it every week. 
Me too. All right, let's actually talk about this game, shall we? Yes. <laughs> One of the things that was most interesting to me about Half Life is how they trick you. Mm -hmm. Like the when you're starting out with the game, there are guns everywhere. You know, obviously you start off with a crowbar, which is fantastic, and it's a great way to start. The crowbar is essential. Mike, Mike was playing on medium, by the way. Yeah, I was playing on Gotta medium. Gotta put that out. Playing mm -hmm. on medium uh, and playing with one HP. That was uh, the. As they <laughs> no, were calling that was your me, pro one, one HP Hurley was the name I was giving <laughs> yes. in the Twitch stream because I, I just consistently found myself with little health in this game <laughs> and was just doing my level best to get through it. And I was, you know, obviously it wasn't great that I was losing so much health. But I was surprisingly good at dealing with extremely low health. You basically did a one health run for so half of this for game. For about 75% of the game, I <laughs> was did. under 10 HP. So, you know. <laughs> but the crowbar, very useful weapon, right? It is actually useful for the whole game. Not just for breaking mm -hmm. boxes, but for me, it is like the most useful way to dispose of the head crabs. Like, there just isn't a better way to do it. Um, it takes too much. It takes like two shots of a handgun to put those things down, which is too many bullets for how simple a, uh, like an enemy it is. So like stuff like the crowbar is very useful. But early on in the game, there is like abundant ammo. You never have to think about ammo, right? Like at all. And which is great until later in the game when you are like counting every bullet. It's such mm -hmm. an interesting way that they they kind of do a bait and switch with you. Like there's a specific point in the game where all of your weaponry is taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And then you start getting cooler guns after that point, but the ammo dries up. And it's it's such a change of pace to be like, well, now I have to very specifically plan what weaponry I want to use for specific villains because I can't use... Like, my favorite guns were the revolver and the crossbow. Yeah, you were very good with the Magnum. Yeah, that, the, the Magnum was brilliant. It was my very much my favorite. I loved that thing. But those are two guns that you don't get a ton of ammo for, especially later on in the game. So, mm -hmm. like, I couldn't just use my favorite guns all the time because they were super powerful. I was good with them. So I had to save them for when I needed them. So, like, it's it's fun how, like, you are kind of taught not to ever think about needing ammo and, and then all of a sudden it becomes an incredibly important and difficult resource to manage. So like I, I liked that, like the way that they kind of switch up the game on you in that way. Yeah, I think it kind of adds to the feeling of you actually are this person dropped into this situation and you can find ammo quickly, but then it does run out. Like if any kind of survival tactical kind of situation that you would get yourself into that is what would happen and i think that that kind that that draws in the idea that you are becoming this character and it, it cements that you you are gordon and you're navigating through this world and at the same time it amps up the gameplay and it makes it more difficult as you're going through the levels that sometimes you feel like oh okay been through this before i crawled through this before i've done this before but now I'm in a different situation because I am low on ammo or I have to figure out how to make this jump on one HP without killing myself, <laughs> like falling too far. Oh, so like yeah. it <laughs> the falls, man. That's the one problem with living the one HP lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> any hard jump life to live. Can, can really be a problem. <laughs> it also, as you said, it makes you vary the weapons that you're using so you can't just kind of nurse one weapon and this is just like this is all i'm going to use and it's it's like the big one and so even the best weapons they give you very little ammo for it forcing you down to some of the lower grade weapons that aren't as effective but making you work harder for it it is an interesting way to kind of ramp up difficulty rather than just making the enemies harder like it's like the inverse yeah. of that like there are harder enemies, but your ability get you know you get better at the game. So just dealing with different enemies is is fine. Except the ninjas, they're just impossible. <laughs> yeah, they're brutal. That's too. They're too. It's far too hard. Just randomly, but <laughs> kind of making you be more strategic is a really interesting way of kind of changing the game up. 
I was surprised how a game with the graphical quality of Half-Life could give me jump scares, but it 100% does that. That they do one specifically that I remember. Um, what are those like? There's like big kind of humanoid, bulky aliens that shoot the like from their hands, like the missiles from their hands, and they wear like oh. armor and stuff. Yeah, yeah um, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I was okay. one. Specifically, where like I had to like break down a door, and I break down a door, and one of them's just standing there waiting for me. (laughs) I was like, "Ah!" (laughs) so you know, I I found it surprising that they were still able to do that, like with given what they had available to them. But like, there are some totally creepy and scary moments in this game. The grunts, grunts. Okay, that's a good name for them. Uh, But yeah, like I, you know, when they're like jumping out of those like big eggs. Right, like in the mm-hmm. Zen levels, you know, like they do a good job of it. Like it's they they can still 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 scare me. Still, like it still works today. Yeah, and I I really like how not only do the aliens who are attacking you jump scare you, but sometimes there are other characters just standing behind a door like, oh, <laughs> really yeah. creepily like uh some of the police some of the barneys or some of the scientists yep. they're just like there and you turn the corner and you're like what are you doing here yeah the, the barneys specifically <laughs> so the barneys uh barney is the name that is given to the security officer which you should in in a second you can kind of tell us a little bit about them i think yeah but like there are sometimes like you're in like a big heated moment and you're running room to room and they're just like st- standing there like just like you you go in a room and they're just like standing there looking at you and then they say hey gordon and there was more than one time where i either was basically shot them in the face or was very very close to uh so a few of them got away with their lives which was lucky for them yeah and especially the head crabs too they always get out the jump scare is Mm -hmm. pretty good like as you're crawling through the ducts and yeah the timing on those things are really it's Mm -hmm. really cool like if you can like just get it in the air it's good very good with the crowbar yeah Mm -hmm. it's real good but i i I do like that they are able to surprise you and like sometimes you'll be going around a corner and you'll be like really really now now is when one has to jump out at me and it just times it perfectly where it feels like it's a little bit cruel and that's what makes it fun if i'm not got enough going on right now (laughs) yeah i have enough to deal with now you're (laughs) jumping all at me trying to eat my brains this is just garbage unacceptable Anyways, I want to say about that we want to bring back to Barney. Do you want to go back to that? Yeah, I want to, I want to use talk about Barney. So in the stream, we kind of had a little debate with um, my backseat streamer husband who <laughs> kept chiming in about Barney. And it turns out both of us were wrong, Marco. Anyway, so the whole name of Barney has a, um, a lore behind it. And Barney's name stems from some of the alpha versions of Half-Life. And it goes back to the guard, the rendering of him resembled an actor named Don Knotts. And so that kind of inspired the cons- uh, a comparison of one of his characters, which was um, a Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith show, which is kind of like a bumbling um, security guard, inept oh, that's policeman. Funny. Yeah, that fits yeah. perfectly. It fits perfectly. It makes tons of sense. And that's why generally in the United States here and there, sometimes you will hear people referring to someone as always such a Barney, such like a bumbly policeman, not effective at his security job kind of person. So that's why the character in Half-Life, the general policeman that just looks like there's 50 of them, but they're exactly the same. They have the same voice. They have the same face. uh, It's named Barney. And it kind of became the the term that all of the um all the fans used and they used in some of the um in the source code so there you go that's where barney came from that's very fun like <laughs> i i want it's like one of the charming things about this game is the fact that all the, like there's like two scientist models and one <laughs> security guard model and it's like uh, they're obviously not the same person right because some of them get killed <laughs> But it's the same person over and over and over again. And there's funny about something funny about the fact that they they all know who you are, which just lends into the fact that like, is this the same guy? (laughs) Like every single one of them knows you and they all look the same. 
there is something kind of cute about that. I think that the developers just kind of leaned into that joke and they're like, look, we only have so much time and so many resources. We can only like really configure like three scientists, one policeman. Like that's what we got. <laughs> they're like, let's just just make it a thing and it will just be a funny thing for all the players. One of the things that I thought was super interesting from the Noclip documentary was finding out about all the expansion packs that allowed you to play from the different perspectives. So like... Oh yeah, like Blue Shift? Yeah, like where mm-hmm. you play as the Barneys and then there's one, uh, I don't remember, remember the name but you play as the army yes but like because that was interesting to me because the kind of the story of the game is right like you accidentally open up a portal to like another dimension and a bunch of Mm -hmm. aliens start appearing and then the army is brought in to take care of it and then there's like the whole mystery around the g-man which i'm not 100 percent sure i've fully got my head around um, but could tell that like maybe he wanted this to happen and like kind of kind of orchestrated the situation. Is that right? Like, well, he's just kind of like this um, corporate kind of business, uh, you know, suit character that mm-hmm. is essentially looks like he's kind of in charge of the lab. But he also refers to having another boss, and he's never named as G Man in the game. Uh, I guess that's just kind of a name that everyone kind of came up for with him um he's just kind of a bureaucrat right and but it's kind of an idea that he is much more sinister than that Mm -hmm. and there will be those occasions in the game which i find delightful that they even bothered to put in a game like this where you see him kind of in the background you'll see one scene where he is arguing with a scientist in one of the rooms before all the bad stuff happens. And then you'll also see him like later on kind of lurking up on upper staircases or something in the background. Uh, and then you'll turn around and he'll, he'll be gone. And so I think that that kind of adds to his sinister approach and you're just, you're not quite sure what's going on with him. And I think that that's part of it. And I think that that's why it's really interesting. And he's this ominous character there all the time. And I'm glad they didn't really spell out, a lot of what and who he is because yeah. it doesn't really matter it, it matters that he's mysterious and something as bad has happened and he seems to be behind it yeah and he works for like an evil corporation right which is something that mm-hmm. they kind of like very heavily hint towards at the end right mm-hmm. when you're in when you're kind of like talking to him at the end yeah um, and he has the power to send you different places or hire yep. you and so it's like well, where where is this coming from what is this and i think that that's great because i feel like that's what the gordon character would be feeling also you know you, the audience and the player is left in just as much mystery as the character would be so it's like you don't get any extra information and i think that that enhances the 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 mystery and the gameplay of this but i like that they ended up creating like a story to the soldiers because i often found myself whilst having to kill the soldiers because the soldiers are trying to kill me like a little bit like questioning it because you know i never really saw the soldiers as like my enemies mhm because they were clearly trying to do a job and the job yeah. was to kill the aliens because there's a lot of times where you come across them when they are killing the aliens because like there are aliens here now, right? Like, and they are trying to harm us. So the army is brought in to take care of it. Whilst at the same time, you've got this guy running around who is responsible for making this happen, right? Who's like shooting everything, which is me, right? <laughs> Badass PhD, right? Over here, right? Like, <laughs> my PhD in guns. <laughs> just some doctor who's got like some super suit on who's running around and killing everything, you know? You're a man pushed too far. You were just going to work. You had a, you were you're just a dude, 27 year old PhD yep. MIT student, just heading off to work on a regular day. And this all just kind of happened to you. And now you find yourself in the John McClane crawling through ducks and you here learned, you are you learn your incredible <laughs> gun toting skills that you never knew you yes. had the soldiers okay so your soldier problem i have this problem in first person shooter games also i feel terrible killing the humans and then i also feel terrible killing aliens in their own world because it's like i'm going into the forest and and shooting critters that live here yeah anyway, that's weird. and it just feels rude <laughs> but in that <laughs> situation we didn't we didn't even really know where we were going, right? And we're just like no, thrown no. into this world. Yeah, and it's a they're attacking you, so you, mm-hmm. it's a survival situation. Yeah, and in war games, it's like okay, like you know, 
war war is war like we know how that goes but like, there is just something a little bit peculiar about this game like sometimes i'm just like sneaking up on these soldiers <laughs> like ha i got to get you i can make you feel better about that because there are plot points where it's written into some of the soldiers dialogue that they say that they're there to clean up the entire lambda facility and they're killing scientists too so that's technically true. that's you're true. one of the scientists and they're also after you. Yeah, because there is, I think there's a couple of moments where you actually see it happening, right? That, that, right. that the scientists are being killed. Yeah, so the idea is that the military is coming in to kind of just totally neutralize the entire Lambda Science facility and pretend like nothing has happened to contain this leak. I'm not frightening about the fact that Gordon has to kill them, but it's just, it's interesting. But like, I, I found it interesting that like, maybe as I wouldn't in some games, I found myself like sympathizing a little bit with the soldiers. Like even in that situation where they are killing the scientists, there are also scientists that are being turned into aliens, right? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of just like, you can understand how an order is given of just like, <laughs> you just got to get rid of the entire thing. Yeah. Right. Like the, yeah. we are in, a very like extenuating circumstances right now the whole thing has to go away <laughs> it's all hit the fan yeah the big giant like, fan it's, and it's all hit it it's all, all a huge fan and a lot of poop <laughs> and you just gotta you gotta get rid of all of it <laughs> i think that that's a testament to really good ai writing yeah. that we haven't seen before in video games when you think about the era that this was ushered into because before it's basically like oh there's someone over there i will shoot at it and that's about it and maybe they will move a little bit or the but the i the ai writing in this makes it more much more yes realistic and it more like you're actually playing against somebody i mean the soldiers they hide mm-hmm. they kick yes, they, they kick. reload mm-hmm. they communicate with each other there's so many small little touches that they programmed into these ai that that give you the sense of i'm fighting real people and then give you those feelings of should i be doing this mm-hmm. and i think that that's a it's a great testament to this gameplay that was never seen before this and it's one of the reasons it blew so many so many people's minds i mean and this is where the story is you know like you talk about the story like there isn't they're not really telling you a lot. You're not really understanding a lot of why you're doing things. Like, just, mm-hmm. you know, you've just got to keep going. You overhear the things. Exactly. Right? The story is being told with these just these little morsels of information that you're finding out, right? Like, how do you know that things have gotten really bad when you overhear somebody say, kill Freeman? Right. Yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, okay. Right. And it's like, there's no other way that you're given that information. It's, it's part of the beauty of this game. It is them dealing with the constraints and turning those constraints into positives. Right. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't do the big cutscene stuff. It was easier for them, I guess. Or, like, it, in some ways, at least maybe on the budget that they had to do it all in game. And then you're told some of this stuff just by overhearing radio chatter. Like, very nicely done. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was taking a little small dive into the wiki earlier, and I will. I'll put on my historian hat for a second. It was saying that um, some of the game designers described it as diehard like uh, that they wanted to model it kind of like diehard, yeah. and we kept doing that in the stream. I kept calling you McLean because mm-hmm. like you're you're crawling through the ducks and you're trying to oh, listen in on conversations that people are having and make your way through this facility without getting caught by this army that is essentially acting like terrorists and also these armies, and it's it's very much like that. And that's exactly how the movie Die Hard. You kind of get the information. You 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 pick up on these little conversations that you hear when you're not supposed to be somewhere and that is exactly what Gordon Freeman is doing. And it's it's wonderful. And I'm so glad that someone mentioned it because those comparisons are just really obvious, especially now around the Christmas season. Right? Like I'm, yeah. I have Die Hard on the mind because it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> but that that's why I, I think that that is great. And it has that movie-like storytelling from this kind of action movie idea. And, and it, it builds on that without cutscenes. In addition to the storytelling that we hear, especially if you even think from playing through that game, you can hear the soldiers' voices kind of like like over that calm like that. And it's it's so that the soldiers in Half-Life sound like the soldiers in Half-Life. And then there's also like the health refill, the and the low health sound, the picking up the suit sound or or the um, suit rechargers. Mm -hmm. There's just so many of these little 
noises from the sound design that were built into this sci-fi world. And that's what makes a lot of sci-fi movies and sci-fi games really great is an on-point sound design. Because if you have those iconic moments, you can close your eyes and listen to someone playing this game and you can know exactly what they're doing. And that is amazing. Like I, I can, I feel like if you were walking through a level and I closed my eyes, I would know exactly when you were filling up health. I would know exactly when you fell off of a ladder. I would know exactly when you were using the crowbar, when a head crab was. <laughs> yeah. Or the tapping of that one monster. Like there's so many, the aliens each make their own sounds. Yes, they do. And which is very useful because you can understand. Mm-hmm. If you can hear them, you can understand what you're dealing with, what weaponry you need. You yeah, know, you when... can hear the snarks coming before yep. they come. You can hear the head crabs kind of like muttering in the background. And you're like, oh, there's one nearby. If I move really fast, it's going to jump out at me. And it's it's just so great without being annoying. Those sounds never get annoying. They're just all there and they are informing the world as you're moving through it in such a vivid way that you can just do it blindfolded. And yep. it's it's beautiful. The voices of the scientists, too. That's also super iconic. Freeman, who would have thought you'd still be alive? And the voice of Barney. You have any idea what's going on? In the documentary, they kind of go on about that. And I think that those are, that's some really special spots in the documentary when they really focus in on those elements of the game Mm -hmm. and they kind of explain more. So um, I wouldn't do it justice because I would just be name dropping from a thing I read. (laughs) But uh, It is. It's like that those voices are the voices of those characters. And even though they repeated them because of the the modeling of the characters being repetitive, it's still just it cemented. Oh, that's Barney. He's talking to me and we're going to go somewhere and I need him to open up a door. You know, like it just it, it is a comforting voice because it's a voice you're expecting it's not just like 12 different voices that you're kind of running into and i think that that helps move you through kind of like this puzzle maze game that you're getting through you're like i just need to get through this facility and there are the touchstones of a familiar voice and that's really really nice pointed out throughout the game Mm -hmm. so as someone who has such a history with this game and having watched me play through it again do you have any like particularly favorite things that like mean a lot to you from like from the action? Definitely the headcrab elevator. <laughs> like favorite kind of moments that would you, like as we're playing through. That is such a funny moment where you're going down this elevator and then all of a sudden it starts raining headcrabs down on you. And at that point it's very early in the game. You don't really have much. You have kind of a, a handgun that, that you're not very good at yet. And not you, just I mean the player in general. No, and me. Especially because they're well, they're raining down on you. It's mm-hmm. really hard to aim at a tiny little headcrab. And so you end up resorting to using the crowbar. And that kind of teaches you to attack this kind of enemy with this kind of weapon. Yeah. And it does it in a really cool, fun way. And it's one of those moments that everyone knows because it's like, oh, the head crab elevator. Like everyone knows that that happens to you because it's a little bit of a surprise. And and that's one of one of my favorites. Um, I think the trash compactor scene is pretty funny. After you kind of lose all of your weapons, it, it makes me think very Star Wars. It's it's very yep. Han Solo stuck in the trash compactor and you got to jump out, jump out before it totally closes. And um, definitely a big high point is getting the Goss gun for the first time and being like, this is unlike any other weapon I've been given. Yeah, it's just this huge vaporizing laser gun. And it's so awesome. And it has like this cool fidget spinner that I've kind of noticed for the first time, the way they animated Gordon kind of playing with it a little yeah, bit. This, like, this is one of those things so where good. I'm like, who is this guy? Right? Like he gets this <laughs> gun and there's like a part of it that spins around and he's just like mindlessly spinning it. Like, I wouldn't spin it. I'd be like, I'm not touching this. <laughs> it's like, how much of a badass is this guy by the end of the game? It's like, I'm no doctor anymore. I'm, I'm Dr. Gunman. Right? Like it's, <laughs> it is very funny Right? it's like they, they want to just do a cool thing, even though it kind of doesn't fit with who you assume the character would be. But mm-hmm. It is it is cool. Like it's a nice animation, right? Like Yeah, and when else before have you seen a first person shooter have that kind of bit of personality yes. in just seeing their hands yeah. and a weapon? Like that it's just been like before with Doom and Quake, like you're just kind of holding the gun and 
And now with this game, you have him, uh, you know, spinning the little fidget spinner in the middle of the cost gun and and having like this crowbar, which is also a really kind of personal weapon. Uh, it, it feels very um, it's very aggressive, but it's also a, a great tool to be wielding. Yeah, I, and I wonder how they landed on the crowbar. I don't know, but it's awesome. It's such a weird <laughs> thing to choose, right? It is. It's great, but it's so strange. Maybe Home Alone. When did Home Alone come out? <laughs> right? But like, it's just, you know, like I imagine as well, like when people were playing it for the first time, it was probably a bit of a shock, mm-hmm. right? Like to get a first person shooter and then be like, oh, I have a crowbar. Exactly. I think before there have been like wrenches and things like that, but they just never seemed as elegant as a crowbar. Yeah, the the crowbar is a is a unique and wonderful weapon, but it is funny that kind of like mm-hmm. no other game can use it without unless they are specifically wanting to call it out Half-Life now, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of a funny thing to me. Like that is a a weapon type which now if ever used is just related back to uh this one game. That's kind of fun. Exactly. Yeah, it it becomes this very, very iconic weapon without being a gun. And I kind of like that a lot. Uh, I also really like how a lot of the art style and some of the background stuff that you see in this game are is very iconic and indicative of the time. Mm-hmm. Like when you bust open a crate, you will see um, floppy disks and canned some air CDs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just all really, it's all really um, very nineties, and it's it, that's what makes it kind of fun. And they disappear instantly, you know, mm-hmm. like nothing sticks around. It has nope. those little things. And I think during the gameplay too, you mentioned that the water rendering wasn't so bad. And, uh, so that is actually agree. one of the benefits of the source engine. So mm-hmm. one of the things they did in that was very specifically was make water rendering better. Like, so it's mm-hmm. one of the gra- one of the major graphical benefits uh, of the source engine was was water rendering. So that I guess hooray, I guess it's one thing that we got <laughs> from that. So I was very very pleased that you convinced me to play this. I don't know if I ever would have otherwise. I probably wouldn't have because I haven't by now. So without without your uh, insistence, I would I would not have played this game. And I am now super excited to play Half Life Two, which is not our next game, but but will be a soon game. I'm so pleased to have been the one that ushered you into the Half Life world. It, mm-hmm. it feels I, I do. I kind of I kind of feel like your mom a little bit. <laughs> I guess I guess so. <laughs> Okay. Ma, I don't know. Is that right? No, that's no, weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's. I don't think it has to work like that. But but no. fine. Uh, so next month is is January, and mm-hmm. January is when both me and Tiff have our birthdays. So we have decided that we will pick a party focused game. Mm-hmm. And so on our next episode, we're going to be talking all about the Jackbox Party Pack. <laughs> 